Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents Evolve, featuring your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture, with your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. The arts and evolving consciousness are how we are bringing that change to the culture at large. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of the times we are in. Helping you evolve is Robin White Turtle Lisney, who received her Master's in Fine Arts from Mills College in Creative Writing in 2012 and her PhD in Energy Medicine in 2013. She is an author of three books, the most recent being Heart Path, Learning to Love Yourself and Listening to Your Guides. She has published poetry in many literary journals and numerous anthologies and her poem First Step was selected for reading by survivors at the Virginia Tech Memorial Bench dedication in April 2010. In addition to her writing, Robin is also an artist whose work has been shown widely throughout the Midwest and East Coast. Robin White Turtle Lisney is a psychic medium and energy medicine practitioner through East West Bookstore in Mountain View, California, through her office in Santa Cruz, California, and across the country by phone. Robin travels across the country as a speaker and leading workshops. To find out more about Robin, you can visit her website at www.thecenterforthesoul.com. So take a breath, relax, and let yourself evolve with your host, Robin White Turtle Disney. This is Robin White Turtle Lisney, and I have a special guest here today, Randy Pizer, who is the CEO of Author One Stop Incorporated. 
uh, her work is it's a national publishing consulting firm that specializes in editing and ghostwriting and pitching books to top literary agents and publishers. Randy's uh, editors are responsible for over 30 New York Times bestsellers. She currently has 19 people under contract with agents and publishers, uh, a dynamic publishing coach and speaker. She's the author of a uh, a write a book program, which you can get online, The Power of Miracle Thinking, and Crappy to Happy, which was seen on Eat, Pray, Love. She's been uh, prominently featured in Healing, The Art of the World, winner of Best Inspirational Book, Marriage of Sex and Spirit winner, Best of Spirituality Book, Secrets of Shameless Self-Promoters, Book Marketing from A to Z, Dojo Wisdom for Writers, Visionary Women, uh, Inspiring the World, and Networking Magic, a national bestseller. Randy, it's just such a pleasure to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, Robin. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, so you have several books and you've got things going on. Um, we have so many things we could talk about today in this hour, and um, I wanted to kind of focus on all the different things that you offer, because um, not only are you uh, a writer yourself, but then you help other people get um, empowered, and you know a lot about publishing, the publishing world right now, which has been in chaos for the last 15 <laughs> years or so. <laughs> That's true. You know, but one of the things that I say is that a book is more than a book. It is somebody's dream, mm-hmm. and I get to help people birth their dreams, mm. and how cool is that? Yeah. That's really what it's about, Yeah, it's helping somebody to birth their dreams, and yes, uh, the publishing world is, is rather uh, turned upside down, but I've also been helping people to experience a lot of success mm-hmm. regardless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is very, very cool. Well, it's great to hear that people can have success. Um, you hear so many dire things around, you know, publishing, people aren't buying books and all this, but I don't find that to be true. I, I find it that people buy books, they're just reading them in different formats today. Is that true for you? Well, there's a number of ways to define success when you write a book. And especially for people who are writing because they want to inspire somebody, mm-hmm. which I imagine a lot of your listeners are going to be people who are more, perhaps more mind-body-spirit oriented, who feel that they are game, chambers, game changers in this world. They want to inspire other people in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to use the book for that purpose and to also use it as a tool to upsell other products and services that you might offer. The book is perfect for that, and it it can be entirely successful to use it in that way. So what I tell people is if you want to make more money per book, then self-publish because you'll make a lot more money per book. For example, with my book, Crappy to Happy, my first book that came out through a traditional publisher, I made about 75 cents a book. So this was not the get-rich-quick plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With um, The Power of Miracle Thinking, my second book, I self-published it. And this book, it sells for $20. I make approximately $13 per book. Wow. So if you're going to define success by the amount of money that's made per book, then if you're writing a book, self-publish, because it makes sense. However, here's the reason to look at traditional publishing. If, in fact, you are writing some kind of nonfiction book, let's say, or let's say you're sharing your life experience because you've overcome a very difficult circumstance in your life, 
and you want to help others through that kind of experience. By going through a traditional publisher, they have wider distribution. They can help you sell foreign rights and get onto, you know, your book can become international. One of my clients was featured in a Time magazine supplement that went out to 2 million readers, and her career absolutely skyrocketed. So if you can use the book in that sense, or for example, my book, Crappy to Happy, my first book wound up being featured in a movie, Eat, Pray, Love, mm-hmm. which was, you know, that was just outrageous. Uh, it was just so wonderful. Those kinds of things can happen. And if you're using the book, especially if it's nonfiction, to, to get more clients or to sell you know, a product or especially a service, then the book, in, in, in a sense, can be a lost leader because you're going to be using it to bring in very high-paying clients for your other services or to be a speaker on stages or especially with coaches, coaches and consultants. Mm-hmm. It becomes an upsell tool. That's terrific. That's terrific. Well, if you uh, had a budding writer in front of you, <laughs> what is the key advice you would give to them um, in terms of how they would even begin in this crazy market that publishing has become with self-publishing versus traditional publishers versus, because it's true, the distribution lists that they have and the access that they have um, in a traditional publishing is, is huge. It's huge in, in the bookstores and all of that. So but if they were just starting, they had a book and say they were done with it and they wanted to see how they could market it and get it out in the world. And it was, Let's say a self-help book. What would you What would you tell them? What was well, their well, first I, step? I, I back it up actually a little bit, uh, uh-huh. and that is the first thing is I tell people there's the book that you've written or want to write, and then there's the book a reader will buy or a publisher will buy, mm-hmm. and are they the same book? Mm-hmm. So the first step is actually to back it up a little bit and examine the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And most writers, when they're inspired to write, they're not looking at the marketplace. You're sharing something from your heart because it's in your heart to share it, which is a perfect reason to write it. However, is that the same product, because this book is, after all, going to be a product, that somebody's going to want to read? Mm-hmm. So you must keep in mind the question constantly, which is, What's in it for the reader? Because that's what they're asking themselves. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Mm-hmm. Because as a reader, I am distracted a gazillion times a day, and I don't have time for your book unless I know what's in it for me. Mm. So that's absolutely the starting place. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you determine whether something, whether a reader is going to respond to that? And so there's different ways to do that. And one way is to actually survey your list. Mm-hmm. And also look, they say, you know, the people to either relieve pain or to increase pleasure. And now of the two, relieving pain is actually the greater sale. What is it that you're doing? What, what solution do you offer to what problem? And is this a pr- real problem that people have and want help for? Mm-hmm. For example, right now, books on, that are related to stress, big sellers, mm-hmm. books related to bullying, Big sellers. Mm. Why? You know, it's, it's relevant in the media. You know, it'll be trending on social media as well as traditional media. And uh, this past year, I'm actually up to, I realize, I think 28 people I have under co- contract right now with different agents or publishers. Wow, that's great. And 
Um, three of those books, two of them are related to stress. One's called Adrenaline Nation that came out in like all the, the, the Hudson bookstore, the, the, the booksellers and all the airports. Uh, there's another one, Five Minutes to Stress Relief. And again, uh, in the nonfiction world, for people who are interested in writing like problem-solution kind of formulas, anything that, that um, is brief, like a fast foods version of anything is really good. So, for example, five minutes to stress relief. Mm-hmm. We don't have an hour anymore. We don't have 30 days to. We have five minutes to. Mm-hmm. So be thinking of that. You know, be thinking in terms of what's fast that people can do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mhm. That's really great. Well, thank you. That really helps. I'm sure that helps people that are out there. How would how do they determine whether the book will sell? I mean, do they have to talk to experts in order to understand like what a publisher is going to want to buy? I mean, and that's that kind of is a segue to to part of the work that you're doing. Right. Right. So to determining what's going to sell, let me tell you what I'm looking for. Because I, I sit with these publishers and with the top literary agents in this country, and I hear what they like and what they don't like. And different subjects trend at different times. For example, last year I was pitching a book uh, live in New York, as I do every single year at the giant Book Expo America. It's, it's the big feeding frenzy for the entire publishing industry in this country. Mm-hmm. And it's a deer-in-the-headlights experience for anybody who hasn't been there before, but this will be like my 13th year of doing it. So I I know who I need to speak to, where I need to go, what appointments I need to set up. Mm -hmm. And I sit with top agents and I sit with publishers and I hear what they buy, what they don't buy, what they're interested in and what they're not interested in. And I was really, really surprised. This past year, I was, last year, I was pitching one book on happiness. And I thought it was just this great, great project. However, the feedback that I got from publishers were that were, there were too many books in the bestseller category on happiness. For example, you know, Marcy Shimoff had her book, Happy for No Reason. There were way too many bestsellers, and publisher after publisher was saying, happiness has been done. Uh-huh. And <laughs> you have to bring, always think of this, you must bring something new to the conversation. Mm-hmm. You must bring something new and different or a new take on it. So, for example, with this book on happiness, I had to think quickly on my feet, which, thank God, I can do, and pitch it slightly differently. So when I got this response from, like, four or five publishers in a row, I wasn't going to keep trying to, to you know, drag this dead horse around. Right. And so, you know, I repositioned it, the book on creating freedom in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same topic, it's just, you know, a slightly different tweaking mm-hmm. to the positioning and all of a sudden found, you know, seven more publishers now interested in considering that project. Mm-hmm. So it's always about the correct positioning and looking mm-hmm. at what is selling right now. What mm-hmm. are publishers looking for? Mm-hmm. For example, about four years ago, I heard a term on the show floor that I had never heard before. And the publishers were looking for female-centric business books. And publisher after publisher was actually using that terminology, female-centric business books. There were so many women starting businesses, and publishers wanted books that would help women starting businesses. Mm. So the next year when I went back to this Book Expo America and I was pitching a book that was totally in that category, I was expecting a sale immediately, but what I heard was, 
oh, we don't want those female-centric business books anymore because Barnes & Noble, the book buyers, discovered that they didn't sell. So everything actually goes back to what's selling in a brick and mortar, especially in a Barnes and Noble bookstore. Mm -hmm. So that's how publishers help. That's how they decide what books they're going to buy. So, for example, I'm sitting with a publisher who tells me he gets 10,000 manuscripts a year. That's roughly 850 manuscripts a month if we're just looking, you know, at an average. And, wow. And it's my job to make sure that I'm getting whoever my client is their proposal, their book to the top of that pile. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that will help you get your book to the top of that kind of pile? Mm -hmm. Now, there's a question that publishers, every single publisher, every single agent asks, every single one of them, which they didn't used to ask 12 years ago when I, or 13 years ago when I first started pitching books. But this past year, every single person agent or publisher alike asked this one question after I pitched the project. And the question that every single one of them asked, which is what you need to have in place, they asked, tell me about the size of this person's platform. What's the size of their social media list? Mm -hmm. So platform is the big buzzword, as it has been for many years in the publishing industry, mm -hmm. but now – they're looking especially for social media numbers. Hmm. Hmm. So then the question becomes, what numbers are they looking for? You know, like, you know, like, and what numbers are good enough? So, for example, they'll ask, what's the size of the Facebook following, the Twitter following, the LinkedIn following, the size of the newsletter list? They'll ask, how many times has the author spoken in the last year? What was the size of each audience? Where is the author speaking in the next six, 12 months? Mm -hmm. What's the projected size of each audience? And so we're writing in numbers into these book proposals to help sell projects. Mm -hmm. Now, then the next question is, well, what do you do if you don't have that big social media following? Right, right. Which is what happens for a lot of people. A lot of pe people feel like a sense of gloom and doom. It's like, oh, I'll never be a published author through a traditional publisher. And I say that's not so start building your numbers now. Mm -hmm. Don't wait for the book to come out. I start speaking on my subjects about a year before each of my books come out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Start building those lists. Start building those numbers. There are so many free programs and ways to build your social media, and I'll just give you one. Yeah. Um, you can go to www.mysocialmedia2go.com. Mysocialmedia2go.com. Dot com. Mm -hmm. There's a free 30-day program there. I talked with a, a nerdy techno guy, and I said, I want a free program for people who self-publish and for all authors who want to be just something where people get an automated message every single day of something they can do to improve their social media. So here's a free 30-day do-it-yourself program at mysocialmedia2go.com. Go and do it. Just start doing it. Hmm. Wow, that's a great clue. I mean, that's amazing because if you start building it, I mean, that's certainly true. That's why a lot of people, I, I, I've experienced that too. You know, you try to get a workshop somewhere and they want to know what your social media list is and how many followers are you going to get and how many people. And, you know, when you think about uh, a workshop, say, in Texas that's got so many spaces for workshops a year or, say, even Esalen, you know, they have so many 
slots for people to pay, they need to attract paying people that are already following this person. Because what I've found is true is that um, people will come to your events who know you and who have come to other events. So you have to get the ball rolling with things um, where people really like what you're doing and want to come to what you're doing. Um, and so that they're all, it's all interwoven in, and it, it, and one doesn't necessarily, you can't have one without the other, uh, especially if you're trying to sell a book that's a, a popular book or, you know, has uh, implications for self-help. Yes, and, and especially what is, here's a question to ask yourself, what is the compelling need that my reader has? Mm-hmm. What crisis are they in? What is the urgent, compelling need? that they have, because mm-hmm. that's how you're going to build your list, whether you decide to blog or what form of social media is right for you or do a whole lot of internet radio. You have to find the places where you just fit and where you feel comfortable. Is it in front of a live audience? Is it on social media? Where is it? Just find your niche and start building numbers in whatever way you can build them. Mm-hmm. And also, see if you can network with other writers. Mm. That's a great clue. Yeah. And, and here's something you can do. Let's say you even have you haven't even written one word yet, but you know you have a basic idea of what you want to write about. Start connecting with other new writers and position yourselves as author of the upcoming book. Then give your title. Mm-hmm. So you're not saying exactly when it's upcoming, but it's upcoming. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I've been working on a book called Bald Courage about my experience of going through breast cancer and chemo and radiation because I want to help people who are on that chemo journey Mm. to get through it, inspire them. Mm -hmm. I haven't written it yet, but everywhere, you know, I'm always advertising everywhere I can, just putting it out. Mm -hmm. Randy Pizer, author of the upcoming book, Mm -hmm. Bald Courage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, just start positioning yourself like that. You can actually endorse other people's books Mm -hmm. because if your book title is on the back of somebody's cover Mm -hmm. and especially if you do this with other new authors and you're endorsing one another appropriately on back covers Mm -hmm. that's that's more advertising for you your name author of the upcoming book da 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 and when you're giving an endorsement just one sentence not Mm -hmm. more than two sentences Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. make it brief to the point and really help the person and they'll help you that sounds fantastic. I so appreciate that. I'm sure our listeners are are really fascinated by this because it it almost feels like it's almost in in some ways it's put up that it's difficult to get a book published and yet I think that when you're um really moving in the circle of understanding how it happens, how it all works, it's it's very doable. You know, I think you can you can really get that message out to your readers because that's what it's all about. You're not you're not writing in a vacuum for yourself. You're writing for, especially in self help for other people. Well, when I wrote my first book, Crappy to Happy, I was in a, a complete dark night of the soul uh, experience and just experiencing so many personal deaths in my life mm-hmm. uh, of, of loved ones, of a, a job, of my identity at the time as editor in chief of a national magazine. The magazine got sold all of a sudden. I didn't have a job. So everything kind of came crashing down. And one of the things I like to say is that uh, why do they call it a dark night of the soul when it's never one night? <laughs> <laughs> Could we have a little bit more 
you're like, you know, a dark year and a half of the soul. <laughs> yeah, right. But I sat in, in the silence during that time. I, I would light candles, and they were Hanukkah candles, and I would sit with the candles until they burnt out, which uh, the candles I had, it took like an hour and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there with those candles. And all of a sudden, these, every single day, that's what I was doing. It was my meditation. I was mm-hmm. living in, basically in silence or in tears because I was in so much grief. Mm-hmm. And I started hearing stories. You know, just I thought about different stories from my life. And I just started writing these stories because it gave me joy to write them. Yeah. I didn't know I was writing a book. But within a, a month, I realized I had 100 pages. And I, I started looking at all this writing that really was bringing me out of my grief and bringing me joy. Mm-hmm. And I thought about, well, if I'm writing a book, what book is this? Mm-hmm. And I realized it was this, there were stories from my life, but each was an example of a crappy experience that I overcame and, and became happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, crappy too, happy. And that, yeah. became, that became the book. So write, it's, it's, it's like a fine line. Definitely write for yourself. Uh, like I, I did write for myself, but also keep in mind that there needs to be a compelling reason why somebody's going to. Right, right. Well, that's so interesting. Well, I can't wait to talk to you uh, a little more about some of your books, but right now we're going to take a little break and we'll be back after the break. Power of Miracle Thinking and Write a Book Program, which is online and crappy to happy. And do you have a website? We haven't even talked about oh, yeah. that. The website is www.authoronestop.com. All letters, no numbers. Authoronestop.com. Great, great. Well, uh, in a second, we're going to talk about her books and some of the things that she's uh, produced. And I wanted to share with uh, the audience that I have two new books coming out. I'm very excited. I'm going to have a a big book launch on March 9th uh, at the Tannery in Santa Cruz. It's from 2 to 4, and everyone's invited. Um, The night before, I'm going to be uh, reading in in Celebration of the Muse, which is a poetry uh, extravaganza with 20 uh, women poets. And we're going to be at the Eric Schilling Forum, uh, number 450 at Cabrillo College in Santa Cruz. And if you want more information, you can go to Poetry Santa Cruz and uh, PoetrySantaCruz.org. And they have a whole bunch of information on all the local poetry events. 
So uh, I just want to invite the audience to come to my event because I'll have a double book launch. The first is um, a book of poems called Poems for the Lost Year, and the second is the Heart Path Handbook, which is a follow-up on my first book, Heart Path, uh, Learning to Love Yourself and Listening to Your Guides. So the Heart Path Handbook is geared towards therapists and healers. So I'm very excited about those two books coming out in March, and I look forward to uh, having people share to share them with people. And um, now I just want to turn again to Randy Pizer. We're here talking about um, her books and her work. Uh, it's so exciting to hear the advice you just gave to to people that are starting out and publishing and trying to learn like the ropes of this crazy industry. And I wanted to talk about your book, Power of Miracle Thinking. Um, you wrote this a few years back, is that right? Is it a new book? Or? Um, yes, I actually did write this a few years back, but the information is so relevant mm-hmm. that I, I can't stop speaking about it because <laughs> I think it's so powerful. That's why it's called The Power of Miracle Thinking. Well, tell us, why did, why did you write this book? I, it sounds like it's a great follow-up to your first book, The Crappy to Happy uh, well, you know, I believe that we teach best what we need to learn. Right. And I really wanted to learn about creating miracles. And um, I discovered, what I did was I interviewed lots of people who have had miracles, whether they were health, business, relationship, housing. And I wanted to know, beyond any religious or spiritual belief, were there certain truths that transcends every possible tradition that anybody could apply and feel good about applying, and that wasn't offensive to any particular tradition. Uh, were, were there certain? Was there a formula? Basically, you know, the, a recipe for creating miracles. And I do believe I've discovered it. <laughs> wow, that's so exciting! So, what constitutes a miracle, and how how can one create it? I mean, you think of miracles as being kind of given to you by grace, but I, I'm hearing that that's not the case. Well, I, well, I do believe that miracles are given through grace. That's my own personal belief, if you will, but there is a way to get those do- the doors of grace to open. That's what I say. You know, ah. that's, so that's what our job is, to get the doors of grace to open, which is not a manipulation, but there is certainly a way to do it. So let me first define what a miracle is. Yeah. Because there's, you know, a course in miracles. What I teach is not a course in miracles. The way I define a miracle is anything that makes you say, wow, that was a miracle. (laughs) So it's entirely up to you Mm -hmm. what a miracle is. And, um, but, but here's, here's the formula. I really do want to share this. Uh, And this is, this is some of the, the truths that I discovered or heard from people as they shared their miracles with me. So the setup for the power of miracle thinking is that I interviewed people to hear their stories, and I wrote their stories. Then I followed each story with three miracle thinking tips, which are either action steps or insights that help that person to create their miracle. And if it helped them, perhaps they could help you too. One of my dear friends, Norm Mosier, here was one of the things he gave in his story uh, relating to miracle thinking tips. And and I love this. He said, the universe likes a good target. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Think about 
anything in your life that you want to create, relationships, health, money, housing, whatever it is, a dream, a career, whatever, are you giving the universe a really good target? Mm. Mm. I love that. So that means that that puts the onus on you to create what it is you want and to really be specific. That's what I'm hearing. To be specific. So, for example, Mm. in my first book, Crappy to Happy, there's one picture inside of the book, and it's me. This is back in the mid-'90s, and I'm um, standing on uh, right off of Highway 101, no, Highway 1 in Mill Valley, California, at rush hour on a Wednesday. It's 4 to 5 p.m., and I'm wearing a dress and high heels, and I'm standing off of the freeway in the middle of the road on, like, the the median strip Mm -hmm. with a giant sign that read, Author Seeks Publisher. (laughs) So this is way before I had ever sold my first book, which was Crappy to Happy. And that evening, a publisher called me and offered me the job as editor-in-chief of his magazine. It was a national magazine, and I wound up accepting it. But it's funny because my sign did not read, Author Seeks Publisher for her book. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the publisher called me. So be very, very clear on your target. And the other thing you want to do is do not put any negative words in your target. For example, let's say it's a health issue. Let's say you have pain in your knee. So let's say you say, I want to be pain-free. Have you put pain back into your target? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or let's say, for example, I want to be out of debt. Have you put debt back into your target? Mm-hmm. Yes. So let's rephrase those kinds of things. So, for example, instead of saying, I want to be pain-free, How about, I intend that my knee functions perfectly. I intend that my knee is flexible. I intend that my joints feel wonderful. I intend that I walk with ease. So give the universe a good target. When it comes to debt, for example, you might say, I'm thrilled that all my bills are paid in full. No, wait a minute. We just put bills in there. I am thrilled that I have money to excess. Ah. I'm thrilled that I have money to meet all of my needs. I am thrilled that all of my needs are met. You know, just yes. a, a positive, good target. So that's, right. I would say that's step number one. That's great. I love, I love that because the words you choose become extremely important. You've got, you've got to really focus on what are you really asking for. You know, you can ask for a relationship, but that's not specific enough. You, you want a relationship that's going to work with you know, inspire you and be fun or happy or, you know, like. And, and do you want a relationship with an available person? With an available person. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, give the universe a good, good target. Um, another thing has to do with our languaging. So, for example, one of the things I always ask people is, what are you Googling in your mind? Mm-hmm. Because we're always Googling something. And just listen to the words you say, especially if they're attached to a phrase that starts with I'm or I am. So, for example, years ago, because remember, this is, you're putting out a powerful statement to the universe. And I used to say things like, I'm disappointed. Well, guess what I kept attracting back then? Mm-hmm. More and more disappointment. And, and I wanted to be authentic. And I wanted to say something that was 
true. So I wasn't like, I wasn't in fake it till you make it mode. You know, some people say, uh-huh. you know, fake it till you make it. I wanted to say something that was true, but that was a step up from I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, right now, I could say one of the things that I Google way too much is I'm stressed. Oh, that's what am good. I, what am I telling the universe? What kind of target am I giving the universe now? Right. And so, you know, we teach best what we need to learn, and, and I'm teaching it because I need to learn it too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so in the case of disappointment, I decided to – I asked myself, what is it that I can say that would give the universe a better target than I'm disappointed, but that would still be me and my truth? And at that time, what I came up with was, I am. I just took out the last word. Mm-hmm. I am. And from there, I was able to rebuild to the point where I could say really positive words and, and, and affirm positive things that I really wanted and get clear on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. Well, you're, you've talked a little bit about the formula for creating miracles, like make yourself a great target or you know, give the universe a target. Not make yourself a target. There's got to be more. There's more. So there's there's a formula. This is the the, once you've established the really good target. Here here's the formula, and I call this the Ruth Ira. And uh, you might have heard of many people have heard of the Roth Ira, which Mm -hmm. is like a retirement investment kind of plan that you can have for yourself. Well, I call this the Ruth Ira because Ruth is my middle name. And IRA is an acronym. Mm-hmm. And so let's examine this acronym. And this is really the heart, once you have that clear target. The I stands for insistence. One night, I was sleeping, I had a dream, and I saw the letters spelled out on a Scrabble board. I-N-S-I-S-T, insist. And mm-hmm. I woke up asking myself, what is it that I'm willing to insist upon happening in my life? Mm-hmm. Because whatever it is we're willing to insist upon happening is what we are going to create. Mm-hmm. And it's that sense of knowing that you know, that you know, that you know you are going to make something happen in your life. Mm-hmm. And we don't have these all the times in our life, but we, when we have those moments of insistence, mm-hmm. we don't even know the how it's going to happen. And truthfully, it's not even our job to know the how. Mm -hmm. But with that insistence, it's very clear. We're giving the universe a very good target. So think about what is it that you know, that you know, that you know, that you are willing to create in your life. Nothing will stop you because you won't let anything stop you. That is the power of insistence. So let's move along because not everybody and not all of us all the time have that level of insistence with things that we want. Right. So now let's look at the next phase of this, which is the R. The R stands for resistance. (laughs) And now let's look at how this plays out in our lives. Years ago, I really, really, really wanted a soulmate. I wanted a relationship. And as much as I wanted it, and I would say, yes, universe, bring it to me, bring it to me. At the same time, a part of me was saying, I don't want to have my heart skewered again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be betrayed again. And so I was saying, yes, bring it to me. No, don't. Mm-hmm. Yes, no. Yes, no. Yes, but. Yes, but. I. Yes, but. Well, wherever we have those yes, buts, guess what? The universe is saying, Give it to her. No, don't give it to her. Give it to her. No, don't give it to her. Wherever we have the yes, but, 
that miracle will not flow mm-hmm. or it won't flow in the way that that will serve us in the highest and best way mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we are the ones who are actually are not allowing it in. Oh, that is so important because a lot of times I hear people say, I really want a relationship. And really what I look at their life or I look at the circumstances in their life, it's so clear they don't. They're barricading themselves against a relationship in every action that they're making. So it's so interesting to me to hear you say that. Um, but I'm going to say take heart because yeah. now we're going to examine the third and final piece of this formula that can still help you bring your miracle to you. So please don't, don't, don't give up hope because you're, we're only two-thirds of the way there. Because once you understand that there is resistance, mm-hmm. and resistance can be sneaky. You can feel like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've done the work. I'm clear, but it's still not happening. And it could be that there's a, a DNA pattern, a past life pattern, mm-hmm. a subconscious pattern. But for now, let's look at something that you can do to move this energy forward, to start getting these door, the doors of grace to open so that miracle can happen for you. And that has to do with the A in this formula. So right now we have insistence, we have the good target, we have insistence, we have resistance. When we go to the A, we're talking, we're asking ourselves this question. And this is a question you're going to ask yourself, and I want you to answer this question for you. Not a voice in your head that's your mother's voice, your father's voice, society's voice, a a partner's voice, an ex-partner's voice. This is a question that you answer for yourself. And this is the question. What is it that I am truly willing to allow? What is it that I am truly willing to allow? Mm. Now, in the case for me with the relationship... I got really honest with myself and I said, well, let's see. I'm willing to allow um, a phone call with a new person. I'm willing to allow a dinner with a new person and maybe holding hands. And for me, that was my gentle, safe truth. Now, listen to that. A gentle, safe truth. There are times when we do have to take those big risks and and jump out of our comfort zone. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about taking baby steps. Mm -hmm. What is it that you're truly willing to allow? Mm. Because this is a gentle truth, and it's your truth. It's not somebody else's truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, these are the kinds of steps that will lead you forward. Yeah. Boy, that's great. So we've talked about relationships. What what would you suggest for creating money miracles? Because I know, you know, we've had economic crashing and we've had all kinds of problems in the last several years. But what, what, what I'm hearing you say is you can actually create money with this. You can create money for yourself and support yourself in a new way. Oh, golden shekels pour down on me. <laughs> Let me ask you um, a question, Robin. Yeah. Do you think that money comes to people who are um, terrified and shutting off their money faucet because of their they're terrified and in fear? No, not at all. Never. No. no. Does money come to people who are who feel like victims in their lives? 
No, not not usually, not in my experience. Anyway. Will money flow to people who wine bitch or moan? No. no. Okay, so here we have a starting point, and the starting point is going back again to that, what are you Googling in your mind? Mm-hmm. So there's a wonderful facilitator of consciousness, uh, Gary uh, Douglas, this man, Gary Douglas, who asks this wonderful, he says this wonderful thing, and he asks a wonderful question. I'm going to share both. And he says, if you think you have a money problem, you don't have a money problem. You have a receiving problem. Mm, mm-hmm. And how many of us, in listening to this, how many of us are people who find it easy to give, but can push away compliments and, and just find it much easier to say, to, to shut the door mm-hmm. when somebody wants to give us something, even if it doesn't look like money. Right. Maybe it's buying our dinner or paying for a movie ticket or whatever. So if you have a receiving problem, then the issue becomes one of being willing to receive more. Mm-hmm. So how do you open up your receiving channel? Mm-hmm. Gary Douglas asks a second question. He has a question that has, that has to do with, this, with, do with this, and I love this. The question that he asks is, what does it take for me to? Then you fill in the blank. And remember, you want to give the universe a really good target. So you might say, what does it take for me to cover my rent this month? What does it take for me to generate $1,500 this month? What does it take for me to generate $5,000 this month? Mm-hmm. I'm giving the universe very clear targets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a starting point. There are some wonderful affirmations. One of my favorite ones comes from a woman's name, a woman named Hollis Polk, who said I could always share it with people as long as I credit her, which I'm very happy to do. Hollis uh-huh. Polk at hollispolk.com, and she says, "I am universal abundance." Mm. And the first time she said that to me, "I am universal abundance," she said, "Randy, just sit with this for ten minutes and see how you feel." And I would encourage you to do this as a practice. Just try it for 10 minutes. I am universal abundance. How does that make you feel? Another part of this equation about making money or bringing money in, um, there's something a dear friend of mine, Peggy Black, uh, invented this term that I absolutely love. And she says, um, I am open to receive blue sky money. So hmm. what, is, what is blue sky money, anyway, you might ask? Money that comes from out of the blue. Ah, I, I love it. <laughs> I, I was affirming that this, this, just this past month. I am open to receive blue sky money, and I got a check in the mail for $142 just a few weeks ago from a insur- health insurance refund saying you overpaid on some old bill. Mm. Like blue sky money. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how the universe can bring you blue sky money, and I took this intention further and I said and you can say this as well I am open to receive blue sky opportunities Mm, that's a great idea wow blue sky opportunities I love it opportunities that seem to come from out of the blue Mm -hmm. and you could even embellish this I am open to receive blue sky opportunities that serve me in my highest and best happiness Mm -hmm. let me repeat that that's a good one I am open (laughs) to receive Blue sky opportunities that support me in my highest and best happiness. Right. That's really wonderful. It is. It's fantastic. I noticed that the energy shifted in me when I said that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And once you're putting out that, that lighter, anticipatory energy, anticipating more positive, guess what can flow to you? Right, right. Well, and you could do this with health, I would imagine, too. I mean, you know, affirming your health, especially as people age, you know, there's all kinds of new media fear that's levied about, you know, as we age, this happens, this breaks down. And I, I have never agreed with that. My stance is I have a happy, vital body that's strong, and I'm grateful for it. And and that's what I have. <laughs> and. Certainly things happen to people. Certainly things people get diseases. But how would you apply this to health? Well, it's, you're lucky, Robin. I'd say, you know, yes. you're lucky. Not everybody can can feel that, that, that they feel healthy. Maybe people are dealing with a challenge right now. And, and how do you deal with it? How do you open to miracles in your life? And um, like for me, going through breast cancer a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, fighting for my life on chemo in August of 2012, walk stuck in a bed for seven months and you know and if and and if i heard somebody telling me oh just affirm you're healthy you, you would know, have been pissed off <laughs> I would have been really majorly, really ticked off yeah i wouldn't feel supported in that and it wouldn't help me move forward right it might work for some people that wouldn't work for me right so here's some of the things that i i want to share about that um i interviewed a man um steven walter wonderful guitarist he was playing guitar on a stage one day and I heard him and he said that 14 years ago he was given 24 hours to live now here he was playing his guitar on a stage and I know oh there's a miracle story there and I want to write that story right he was one of the people I approached after that performance and asked him if he would share his story in the book and he did so this is a man who had leukemia but the doctors weren't sure whether the the pneumonia or his heart rate were going to kill him first Mm -hmm. so he was given 24 hours to live and one of the things that he did was he remembered somewhere from an old swim coach saying that well if he could just sit up he could get if he could just sit up he'd get more oxygen in his lungs so that was just one little application that he did and it helped him get through that night and another thing he did was that he would shut everybody out of his room and tell them he's meditating. And uh-huh. he would actually meditate from his bed. Uh-huh. And finally, this, this, it became clear that he found some place where he could have some kind of bone marrow transplant. But what he did was, and what he talked about is living in your truth, fiercely loving yourself. And what happened to him was somebody had installed some port or some needle into his into his body and it shut off his oxygen flow and all of a sudden he couldn't breathe and this was a nurse who had treated him for a very long time who adored him and was doing everything she could to help him but she had made a boo-boo she had made this very serious mistake and immediately fixed it and he could breathe again and she said please you know I want to continue working with you and he adored her but he said no because he didn't have the extra energy to wonder about whether or not that would ever happen to get to him again. And he had to put himself first. Mm-hmm. That was something I learned on my journey as well. Mm-hmm. I had somebody on my cancer journey when I was just starting chemo, uh, you know, a nurse, my assigned nurse, who forgot to order one of the medications I was supposed to take prior to the chemo. And I had to go back and pick up that medication before chemo. 
And I decided right then, my trust was gone. Mm -hmm. So you must have trust. And you have to have a circle of support around you because certainly, you know, going through something like that is so, such a difficult thing. And there, the, you need to have people that are supporting you and help you focus on you. Yes. You know, and so the receiving piece comes in again because receiving is something I know a lot of people that I've worked with have, that have had um, different kinds of cancer, certainly that that has been an issue that, they are learning to receive, and they're learning how to uh, uh, put themselves in the in the driver's seat, put themselves first. So many people I know have, not with just with cancer, but with other illnesses. That what I find is is very often when we we start looking at, you know, um, what they're learning in the process of this illness. That what they're learning so much, so much of the time, not always, of course, and in different circumstances, but they're learning to put themselves first and after giving, 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 and especially women, giving a lot of their time, energy, efforts to other people. Um, this is a, a lot of a primary reason for, for, for some illnesses, not all of them, of course, but it, it almost doesn't matter across the board. What I've learned is not doesn't even matter the the disease is so much but it does help them to focus on themselves and give themselves a place in the world i mean in some cases people aren't putting themselves in in the list of people that they love and serve <laughs> i say you know that's true that you know they say that illness is a great teacher and i say so was Mrs. Linsky in the third grade, and given the choice, I much rather would have chosen her. Exactly. I so, so know that. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say, you know, tune into your intuition. So, so how do you do that when you're dealing with an illness? And, and I'll share with you what worked for me. Mm-hmm. When I thought about having radiation, I was terrified and I was in tears. Mm-hmm. I was crying. I was in panic day after day after day until my radiation oncologist said to me, well, you know, you have some choices. You can either radiate the breast or the lymph or neither or both. So I thought about, when I thought about radiating the breast, I felt really neutral. I felt fine. When I thought about radiating the lymph, all of a sudden that's where I started to cry and I saw that's where the panic is. And I realized, oh my goodness, this is my guidance system directing me yeah absolutely you know when i when i spoke with the radiation oncologist and i asked her well you know should i or shouldn't i for all of this she said if you spoke with 10 radiation oncologists five would tell you to radiate five would tell you not to Mm -hmm. so and even my regular primary doctor said you know you got to trust your gut so when all of the Mm -hmm. professional medical experts are telling you you have to trust your gut exactly guess what you have to trust your gut so that's one way to do it Mm -hmm. see what feels calm, what brings you peace, what brings you terror. There are some clues there for you. Mm-hmm. And the emotions are so important in how you proceed in anything, especially with an illness. I, I, I think it's just a really great advice for people because you've been there, you know, and you've had that, you've gone through the that. It's almost like um, we used to describe it at Commonweal. When I used to work at Commonweal Cancer Help Program up in Bolinas, you know, getting a cancer diagnosis is like being dropped behind enemy lines with no gun and no way to fight it, no, not understanding what the rules are there. Right. And, and, and you, you have to understand that you have choices and you have, you have ways that you, you're giving us ways that 
you know, people can understand and discern what's going to work for them. So here's, here's something that's really powerful, too, because I love to talk with people who have, like, stage four diagnoses and, you know, a week or two left to live, and here they are, or a day left to live, but what mm-hmm. did they do? And one woman decided to detach herself from what she calls group mind, mm-hmm. group mind. In mm-hmm. the quantum field all around us, every single doctor was telling her, you know, you're going to die within two weeks. Mm-hmm. And she realized as long as she stayed attached to group mind mm-hmm. in the regular medical world, that's exactly what would happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she realized for her, and this is what she said, she said, I was promised the Garden of Eden. This isn't it. This isn't it. Show me. Mm-hmm. And and her whole life shifted. Another gal who I interviewed became a number one best-selling author. Um, her name is Isabel von Faldois. This woman, number one best-selling author in uh, Germany and Italy. And she was also given uh, two weeks left to live, and she started doing Louise Hayes' work, and all of a sudden opened up to angels. Angels started appearing, and the woman was healed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another guy I know ate tons and tons of vegetables. So we eat, and he said he, he couldn't even afford organic. He just, you know, and here he's given. These are all people who were given death sentences, and here they are. Mm-hmm. And so it's really imperative that you follow your guidance. Because so many people are going to bombard you with the system right. that they insist is right for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And truthfully, it's only you who will know that. Right, right. That's so true. And I, I just love that you're giving people that advice because it is, it is so true what I've seen working with all kinds of different clients and patients with cancers and heart disease and all kinds of stuff that, that you know, when you – have them listen a lot of the work I do is help them get to their intuition and what their intuition is about uh, so that they can hear it so they can hear because when we're running with fear you know in a especially in an illness situation um, you know we you don't really hear your intuition very clearly so giving them the opportunity to open up to a space of understanding their intuition and what that is and what is that voice that they need to listen to. I think that's so valuable. It's so important. It's critical. It's it's your life. (laughs) It is. It's your life and you've got to form it the way that's going to work for you. So uh, I'd like, we've just got a few minutes left and I just really would love to know what is your favorite story from the power of miracle thinking that you might want to tell us about uh, (laughs) from your experience? Because it sounds like you interviewed some really interesting people. Yes. Um, there's a woman named Carrie Alter who wants, let's stick with relationships because I was talking about that earlier. Uh-huh. And she really wanted a relationship. She had been in a horrible marriage and she just she just knew it, that she wanted to see God in her current husband because if she couldn't see God in him, then she would attract somebody that wasn't right for her. <laughs> and so she waited until she saw God in him, then she moved on. And since we have just a short amount of time, I'll just share. The bottom line was that she did a special prayer and she said, God, Please send me somebody who's not my type, because my type is completely messed up and unavailable. <laughs> and guess what? A man did appear in her life, and she just adored this man, and they, were, they became great friends, but she wasn't really attracted to him because he wasn't her type. <laughs> guess what? They've been together now for around 20 years, uh-huh. and it really worked out. Wow. So I think that's, you know, that's just like a <laughs> one of your favorites. short person yeah one of your favorite stories i love it so well randy it's been just such a pleasure to talk with you about your books and about the programs that you're doing 
um, the Write a Book program is online, and you can get it uh, on your website. At authoronestop.com. Yeah, and The Power of Miracle Thinking is your book, and that's is that an e-book as well as a... Um, oh, it's, it's, in, it's a softcover book. Softcover. And that's at um, miraclethinking.com. And I also created um, a Miracle Thinking uh, text message coaching program. Ah. And that's at everalive.us, Alive. US, and it's a 21-day fantastic program. Uh-huh. You'll actually hear my voice. There's links in the, in the little three text messages a day to really create miracles in your life. Create a practice and do it. Great. And it's really inexpensive. There's just like no excuses if you want to create miracles in your life. Oh, that's fantastic. And then Crappy to Happy is also... Happy to happy.com. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And I really, uh, really appreciate all the support and help you've given our, our listeners. And uh, uh, thanks, thanks for being on Evolve. Thank you, Robin. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Carousella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Convergence with John Carousella, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Evolve was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E.